0: through 6, 3, if you'd like to take a moment to turn there in your vices. Again, that Song of Songs 5, 2 through 6, 3. Please rise as we read God's Word. I slept but my heart was awake, a sound my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I had put off my garments, how could I put it on? I had bathed my feet, how could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch, and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved, and my hand stripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with love. What is your beloved more than another beloved? O most beautiful among women, what is your beloved more than another beloved? That you thus adjure us. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are like lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, that he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned, that we may seek him with you? My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you.
1: Well, good evening. Uh, My name's Ben Milner. one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all. Um, We're obviously looking at the Song of Songs, and I know that this has not been an easy sermon series. I knew that when I decided to preach on it, but where there's something that's hard, there's often healing going on, and um, sexuality brings up a lot of pain. Because there's a lot of betrayal, which is some of those painful betrayal, there's a lot of loss, a lot of loss and regret surrounding that. Um, you know, romance for some of you has been a great disappointment, and for others has been non-existent, and that can be devastating. But the good news is that in the Song of Songs itself, this is addressed. This is seen and known and spoken of, that God is aware of that, that in this great poem about romantic love, he would note that it can be very painful. And he does so in this passage. If you look at uh, verses 2 through 8, uh, this is another dream, more of a nightmare. It's a broken dream. Um, and last week, last week we looked at her dream of marriage, and this week we look at a dream, and it's devastating. Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So we'll, we'll look at that first, verses 2 through 8. But the even better news is that in the face of that dream, and in the face of that terror, nevertheless, she will not give up, this heroine um, who speaks the majority of the lines in the Song of Songs. Um, commentators say it's almost impossible to imagine this was not written by a woman because it is so aware of a female's point of view. So this woman, in the face of, uh, of the... The frightening fears that come to her at night, she will not give up. and uh, She still is filled with a desire to praise, to sing to uh, someone who loves her perfectly, to someone who will give himself to her perfectly. In spite of the fear, she will not give up on this idea um, that I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine, which was the last verse that Caroline read. So I want to look at these two things, Uh, first of all the broken uh, and then the healing broken dream, and then the redemptive dream. Okay, so in verse 2, it's clearly a dream. My body slept, but my heart was awake. It's actually a great way to describe a dream, a very poetic way of describing a dream. My body was sleeping, but my heart was awake. It's kind of what's going on in a dream. And the dream is where you have two lovers, and they're on completely different pages. Um, That's what makes it a bad dream. She, he is ready. He has come to her. And he says in verse 2, open to me, my sister. And she is not. In verse 3, I took off my garment. I'm in my PJs. How can I put them on again? So they're on different pages here. And he is uh, completely putting himself out there. Verse 2, my love, my dove, my perfect one. He's making his heart vulnerable. And he's come a long way in the rain. My head is wet with dew of the night, verse 2. But it's not happening. So she says in verse 3, I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? And if you are dating or married, you know this is a common occurrence. This is not surprising that uh, the Song of Songs would address this. Um, In any romantic relationship... Uh, they can be on uh, very different pages, the two partners. And clearly she's not feeling it. She's already showered. She has a headache. She's exhausted, whatever it is. And uh, that's totally legitimate. Okay, the song puts a stamp of approval on that. Um, But it's also painful because, you know, he is in the mood and she is not. And I'll just say as a warning to men, especially here, Not that it only happens to men, but I know it does happen to men. That men, uh, you need to be very careful about pouting and punishing um, when something like this happens. Um, I I personally did that early in our marriage. And it was devastating. And I had to talk to an older Christian man who confronted me on it. And said, that's going to mess up your marriage. Big time. So don't do that anymore. And I didn't. Um, I stopped doing that. Not entirely, but I know it's wrong, and I make every effort to not do that. But it's very easy if you feel rejected or deprived of some kind of right that you have. uh, You do not have a right to that at any time, okay? That's not true. Some churches teach that, it's false. Um, Desire is complicated. Uh, It's very conflicted, confused, it's vacillating. And, you know, he walks away pouting, And then suddenly she's ready. That's the interesting thing about this nightmare is that in verse four, as soon as he walks away, she's ready to go. My heart was thrilled. I arose. My hands dripped with myrrh. She's put her perfume on. She's running out after him. But in verse six, my beloved had turned and gone. So she can't find him anywhere. Verse 6, I sought him, but I didn't find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. And it makes her sick in her soul uh, that this happened. My soul failed me, verse 6. So sexual ambivalence, um, always going to be part of our sexual experience. That's just, uh, it's part of what God does to make us bear with one another and be patient with one another. It's part of our sanctification and our healing. But sometimes this ambivalence comes from uh, a very, very dark place. Uh, Sometimes it can be a nightmare when uh, sexuality gets coupled with something very shameful in the past, with something that went deeply wrong, some kind of too early an exposure to sexuality, um, trauma of some kind, some kind of uh, coercion occurred, uh, there was a lack of consent perhaps, unwanted desires that just flood you that can be even intrusive. They can just come into your mind and you can't get rid of them. Um, Sometimes our body will respond with pleasure when our thoughts are just flooded with shame. And one in four four, uh, young women, girls have experienced some kind of sexual abuse. One in six uh, young men or boys has experienced this. So that means that there are uh, many of us in this room that have. And uh, the song addresses that. The greatest song about romance addresses that because you see all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're, we're, we're no longer in the pastoral setting among the lilies uh, with the animals. We're now in the city, uh, it's kind of cold, it's at nighttime, and there's this sudden violence that enters into the scene, a kind of a public exposure where in her nightmare, all of a sudden there are these watchmen that are like policemen, they're patrolling the city. And in verse 7 it says, they found me, they beat me, and they bruised me. Now it is a dream, so it, it's not supposed to make entire sense. Um, it, is, it is, dreams are strange that way. But in a dream, we know, we all know that in, the, in a dream, some kind of secret fear um, emerges that kind of surfaces like a great... Giant dark fish that just kind of slowly comes up, and in a dream, things will come into your mind that are being pushed down that we don't really want to experience. But in a dream, they'll come to the surface, and this is the way that some part of herself sees herself as um, beaten and bruised. That publicly she has been exposed in some way. This is how she perceives herself. And notice these are moral authorities, so these are. These are voices in her head um, of uh, condemnation, um, of accusation that berate her. You're, you know, you're, whether it's you're a prude or you're too slow or you're cold, you know, you're not amorous enough, uh, you're a failure, you're dirty, something like that. These are the kind of voices that she is hearing in her head. And so the same intimacy that can bring the greatest joy in life, and I've been talking about that part, But it also has to be said, and the song says it, that it also can bring the greatest devastation. And often it's both in our lives. And the saddest part perhaps is in verse 7 that she feels like she has no more innocence left. The veil is a sign of innocence and a wedding. And she says, they took away my veil. So that's the broken dream. And this is where we have to ask ourselves and try to put yourself in the place Maybe you go and try to find right now where that is. A lot of times we don't want to think about that. But this is a time to do that. With a lot of other people in the presence of God, you know, what are those dreams for you? What, what are those places, whether you're single or married, um, where sexuality is deeply painful, shameful? And I, I say that because I just want you to know we're not, you're not alone in that. You know, here we all are. I can just guarantee you that Almost everyone in here right now is thinking of something. Um, Because it is so powerful. I mean, romance is so powerful. And it's so close to the heart of God's love for us. That the enemy mercilessly attacks it. Again and again and again. Um, If there is such thing as someone who is opposed to God, the creator. Then obviously the, the strategy of the one who is opposed to the good creator would be to attack this very thing. Because it does express God's heart of love so much. And the evil one does not want us to experience it with pleasure. But there's a redemption. Okay, so there's a second part of the dream. Where it's a very sudden shift. It's, like a, it's almost like whiplash. How do, you, how do you suddenly go from one to the other? There's a sudden shift where she will not give up on the dreams of Eden. Uh, again, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. It's kind of this covenant formula that you hear between God and Israel. Um, I will be their God and they will be my people. I am their, I am their beloved and they, and they are mine. And she will not give up that dream. She's, she's going to stick with that dream in spite of this nightmare. And that's the second point here the redemptive dream. So notice um, the girlfriends of hers, and they speak like a chorus throughout this book. Kind of like in a Greek tragedy where you have a chorus that'll start speaking. What is your beloved more than another? What's the big deal? Why are you so impressed? Why are you continuing with this? And she's like, everything. Everything's a big deal about him. Everything makes him wonderful. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. She sings to him as she, he sang about her. So we saw last week that this thing called a wasp, not wasp, but W-A-S-F, it's a It's kind of an ancient Near Eastern form of poetry where you compare your lover to all these different things and he sang that to her last week and now she is going to sing it back to him as part of her power, the power of her imagination. Verse 11, his head is the finest gold, his locks are wavy and black as a raven. Her eyes move down his body, his cheeks are doves beside streams of water. I'm sorry, his eyes are doves, his cheeks are beds of spice, his lips are lilies, and, and she is taking the initiative here. Okay, it's in her imagination, and the imagination is the most sensual organ of all. That is where this stuff happens, in the, in the mind, in the imagination. Uh, that's where these things happen, and she is training her imagination to go there at this moment. So this is not, this is not like 1950s dating culture, you know, in Back to the Future, where Lorraine is kind of this uh, waiting for Biff or Marty to, to make a move. This is not um, June Cleaver. This is her, this, in the Song of Songs, she is uh, extremely confident. Uh, not really, not aggressive, but uh, she knows what she wants and she's going to go for that. Uh, verse 16 His mouth is sweet and he is altogether desirable. One uh, commentator said, this is one of the most remarkable features of the song The confidence of the woman as she pursues the man. Even in the face of this nightmare, she's not going to give up that pursuit. So the watchmen are telling her, you know, you're a failure, you're defiled. The friends are saying to her, you know, give up on men, forget about the dream. And she says to them all, I was created For unbreakable intimacy with the perfect man, and I'm not gonna give that up. I, I was created for one who would sing to me, This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. When when God created Eve, brings Adam to Eve, she Adam sees her, this creature that is gorgeous and like him but not like him, fascinating and beautiful. And he sings, it's the first time a human being speaks in the Bible, and it is a song. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And in spite of all that she's been through, she will not give up on that idea that there is one out there who loves her deeply. And say, this is where in a culture like ours, that is just like a, the graveyard of the Atlantic, you know, it's just absolute shipwreck after shipwreck of sexuality. We, we are so in danger of letting this dream die. Uh, That this is a real thing. That our imagination can be dimmed to give up on this idea. You know, when the majority of sexual experiences in 2050 are going to be with robots, which is what people are predicting, that's hard to believe. But it's true. You know, now that VR is being created and this is going to happen. um, in in, In that setting, we as the church cannot give up on this kind of human intimacy. Uh, because there is a, sp- a spring of water so deep in your imagination and it's so gushing with life that nothing, nothing can contain it. You might try to stop it or rewire it or do something, but it's going to spill out over the brim of this world. It's too deep. And I'm not talking about a human being right now. Just so you know, the application is not go out and find the perfect guy. Um, the application is adore the one that you were made for the lover of your soul you know why is it called the greatest song it's called the song of songs like the king of kings this is the greatest song ever written why did uh rabbi akiva say this this is the holy of holies of the entire scripture that the song of songs is where you come to the most sacred space in all of scripture why is it that the the, the monasteries and the abbeys all across Europe for centuries loved the Song of Songs. These were single people meeting in spiritual communities intentionally. And they loved the Song of Songs more than any other song. Why is it that uh, Bernard of Clairvaux preached 86 sermons? 86 sermons um, on this song. And he'd only gotten to uh, the third chapter. So there's a reason that this is so delightful to Christians everywhere. And it's not because it's talking about sex between a man and a woman. That is part of it. But there's a desire down there in us that is so primordial and so powerful. To sing to a a perfect lover of our souls. You know, even the great atheist Christopher Hitchens, um, who some of you know, uh, died a few years ago. Um, the most witty and uh, the most expressive um, of all the atheists, all the new atheists, Christopher Hitchens, when he died, uh, he was yearning for this love. He wanted the song at his funeral to be uh, Steve Winwood's A Higher Love. That's what he wanted sung at his funeral, this, this atheist. He could not suppress the desire for this everlasting love. And here's how that song goes. There must be a higher love down in the heart or hidden in the stars above without it life is wasted time look inside your heart and I'll look inside mine facing our fear and standing out there alone a yearning there must be someone who's feeling that for me there's this longing in Steve Winwood and in Christopher Hitchens for this lover someone out there to be feeling that for him Imagine a, a woman um, who is so traumatized by the way men have treated her that to think about intimacy at all is just terrifying. She can't even go there. She can't think about that. There's too much, too much baggage, too many wounds. And one day her, her friend tells her about Jesus, and she becomes a believer. And she's very comforted by that, and she begins to read the Bible and she does a reading plan where she's going through the Bible and then one day she comes to the Song of Songs and she reads the very first verse, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth that the woman is singing to the man and she just freezes. And she's just got to stop reading. She goes back to her friend and she's like, what is this doing in the Bible? You know, how, What am I supposed to do with this? And her friend says to her, oh, this is the best part of the Bible because this is about that Jesus that I told you about this is about the way he loves you. This is this is the way that it, he left his father. You know, he left he left his home and he came to cleave to you to become one with you forever one flesh to make you naked and unashamed. Marriage is not enough to satisfy Uh, our sexual desires. People sometimes think that when you get married this is going to solve all the problems. But the physical pleasure is not the main point. The physical pleasure is a part of it. But the main point is the intimacy that you can experience with the lover of your soul. Because behind this table, the other side of this table, sits a groom who has been waiting for centuries uh, for his bride. Who is... Ready to give himself completely to you. Without any requirement on your part, any performance on your part. Without you looking a certain way or doing certain things. In spite of all the resistance and the ridicule on the night he was betrayed. He gave himself completely to you. This is my body broken for you. And this is the one that our souls were made to sing about. To praise. And all the different creative expressions we do that. in the way we sing, the way we do liturgy even preaching these sermons to him. This is what the song of songs is ultimately about.
0: We love these rascals.